You're listening to First Church Charlotte. Greetings, everyone. My name is Nathan. It is my honor to pastor First Church Charlotte. Thank you for joining with us. Thank you for watching. Tonight, we're talking about a subject that is referred to a lot, but not taught about much. And that is, what's the deal with Lucifer? <laughs> what do you mean a devil? Um, are you serious? I have a spiritual enemy. This is a subject that you will hear churches refer to a lot. Praying against the devil, resisting the devil. Uh, you probably have already heard all of that, but oftentimes as churches, we don't, <clears throat> we don't teach, we don't explain ourselves, we don't try to convey it to the modern mind. And it's the modern mind where we struggle to perceive and integrate our lives with the reality of a spiritual realm, uh, our spirit world. And so I was shocked to find out that half of um, evangelical Christians, which is the largest group in which we would be included, the absolute largest, because um, it is, it's kind of what you think of when you think of as the American church um, without some of the liturgical or uh, denominational um, history um, of the Reformation. Uh, if you were to survey evangelicals, half of them do not believe in the devil. Half do not believe in the devil. Um, and they, they believe in the devil as an ideal, but not as an absolute entity, as a person, as a created being. They believe as the devil, in the devil as a symbol of sorts, the potential, the capacity for human evil. Now, on one hand, it's really easy for us uh, conservative Christians uh, to, to kind of just write that group off as though, you know, oh, they're not really Christians, but I don't know if that's fair. I think many of them deeply, deeply believe in the witness testimony and even the divinity of the man Christ Jesus manifest in the flesh, but yet the very nature and essence of God. But they struggle, they stumble over this issue of a literal spirit being that has this formalized role of destroying them. And uh, I wanna, you guys know I try to, to try to have empathy and try to understand before I condemn someone or I, uh, I don't really condemn people, but what I'm trying to say is before I kind of dismiss them as not to be taken seriously, I wanna understand if I can. And I wanna admit that if you are, if you're secular minded in your upbringing or um, you are the type of person who tries to make a type of philosophical, logical sense of life as you have known it, it can be difficult uh, to, to wrap your head around this idea of this spiritual being uh, that is out to get you. Now, one of the reasons why this is difficult, I believe, is because Hollywood and novels and the storytellers, the narratives of our time, uh, they have so, so, uh, they, they've so represented satanic forces in such a dramatic kind of Hollywood special effects way that I, if you've seen enough of that, it's really hard to take seriously. There's this part of you that's just like, ah, okay, maybe. I want to try to give you a, 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 biblical, a biblical view 
to understand this biblically while connecting it to the modern mind and then hopefully making an appeal to you as to why you should you should uh, have a biblical view and you should learn the lessons given to you from the Bible. Um, two questions that I think better than anything I've come across sum up the difficulty of believing in a literal Lucifer. Two questions. Number one, um, if God is so smart, why, why did he create the devil? Number two, if God is so strong, why doesn't he remove the devil? So if God is so smart, why did he create the devil? And if God is so strong, why doesn't he just remove uh, the devil? Now, these questions, I think, are the kind of questions that people would ask if they could think of them. <laughs> A lot of times people haven't invested the time to formalize their, their, their mindset and organize their philosophy. They just kind of like have this resistance, like, ah, it just doesn't seem, doesn't seem possible but they don't really drill down to a clarity. And I think questions like this help us have clarity. And I think a lot of the unspoken doubt, the unspoken difficulty in seeing Satan as a spiritual enemy uh, really can be found in these two questions. Um, different, they can be phrased differently, they can be structured differently, um, but really this is the, the gist. This is the cleanest cut uh, we can make into the messy philosophy of people who uh, struggle to believe in a literal spiritual enemy for, for their life. Answering these questions will help you build strong foundations. You need to have answers for the questions in your life and the questions that come to you through friends and family who think of you as a spiritual guide to them. So let me try to answer these questions with the hope that we will end up with a stronger theology, a stronger uh, way of spiritual being than if we just ignored these questions. So let me perhaps surprise you with the first one and say this, God did not create the devil. Now when preachers make statements like that, um, I know it can be taken as a type of shock theology but uh, it's more than that. It's with the goal of piquing your interest and forcing you to think. Watch this. Uh, God did not create a devil. He created a worshiper. Ah, oh, yeah, I know you think, oh, you're playing tricks on me. Ah, uh, not really. Just stay with me. Uh, God did not create a devil. He created a worshiper. Uh, let, me, let me come at this a little different and try to explain it a little differently. Um, Lucifer was God's created his greatest, most impressive uh, created being. Uh, in fact, you need to understand that Lucifer was not a thing. Lucifer was a being. This is important. This is very, this is fundamental. Lucifer was not a thing. He was a being and he was God's most impressive created being. Lucifer then, in his essence a being and not a thing, chose a path and became the devil. A being is more than created. A being is a creator. We are made in the image of God because we are creators. 
so both evil and good existed as possibilities within the heart of Lucifer. He was a being, not a thing. And as a being, he had to choose a path. He had to become. Every day, all of us become. We are a being and we are becoming. How are we doing that? Our decisions, our choices, our values are being added up and summed every day and added to the story. Added up, summed every day, added to the story. Within all beings, there exists both the possibility of good and evil, and our choices are the very essence of our becoming. God did not create a devil. God created a worshiper. But the worshiper was in the image of God, and thus a creator, becoming, choosing, living, experiencingly, experiencing. And secondly, the question was, if God is so strong, why doesn't he just remove the devil? This is a little different philosophical approach. In this regard, the issue is whether or not God should treat beings as though they are things. I'm having fun with this because I have wrestled and wrestled and wrestled with these things, uh, trying to find my foundations. The issue at stake here on whether or not God should just remove the devil, just delete him from the algorithm, just take him out of the program. The question really is, should God treat beings as though they are things, or should he allow them to exist as beings. Well, uh, here is the interesting thing. Um, the devil isn't the only being <laughs> that lives in rebellion. Uh, Lucifer is not the only being that chose the self. Lucifer is not the only being that elevates the self over God. Lucifer is just the archetype, just the image of a problem that's much broader than Lucifer. It's the problem of the being choosing what he or she will become. Now, this is why, man, I'm, I'm, I love this, because if you will invest a little bit of time in considering this, it will give you a stronger theology and build your life on a stronger foundation where some of the silly nihilistic philosophy that Hollywood spews as though it's a volcano will not touch you, will not trouble you because you will see it. You will see it for what it is and see, see through it. Uh, Lucifer's God's highest created being, but he's created as a worshiper. Lucifer chooses his path and becomes the devil. God did not make a devil. God made a worshiper but both good and evil existed within his universe of possibilities. And so, as a being, he is not simply deleted. Beings are eternal. Uh, beings are not simply X'd out. Um, they, they are not simply judged. They are constrained as part of judgment, but they are not ended. 
We'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment. Remember, Lucifer is just an archetype of a larger problem. Many of the beings that God has created, including you and including me, have chosen their own way. Many of the beings God has created, including you and me, have rebelled and become the very origins of sin and the very fount of evil in our world. Our decisions have consequence. They make a broken world more broken still, or they begin the hard spiritual work of making a broken world whole every day, day after day after day. So the question really becomes, uh, should we all be removed? If God's just going to delete a being, why not us too? Why just the devil? Um, if only perfect beings are allowed to exist, then we have created a world without love, a world without faith, a world without choice, a world without loyalty. If we create a world where imperfect beings who rebel and choose their own way are simply deleted, we no longer have a world of choice, a world of becoming, a, a, a world of love. The world is now programmed, not chosen. Now it's no longer a love story. It's a program, a simulation, because only beings whose possible choices reflect the essence, the nature of their creator are now allowed to be, to be in place. So now we only have one programmer <laughs> and we have a program. That's not how we live our lives. We are all of us programmers. We are all of us made in the image of God. He's not the only programmer. He is just at the highest level where all roads, all ends, all prophecy, all promise leads back to him. But in the lower levels of choice, spiritual destiny, decision, the essence of becoming as a being, that's in our hands and there is consequences to our, our choices. When I choose God, when I choose God, now it's no longer an issue of if you're perfect, then you have place. Now it becomes a story where love is possible, where loyalty is possible. Now you find yourself living in a world of faith. Now a day will come when uh, the devil will be not removed, but constrained. You see, eternal beings are not ended. That would be uh, mutually exclusive. Uh, eternal beings are constrained and the judgment is the constraint that is upon them because they have created an evil. They have chosen a sin. They have made of themselves something that God did not make them to be. So two things. On one hand, we want to have a biblical understanding of the reality of Lucifer. And on the other hand, we want to understand the spiritual ideal that he represents. Very quickly, let me give you a biblical view of Lucifer. He's mentioned in seven Old Testament books, Genesis, First Chronicles, Job, actually mentioned 12 times in Job, Psalms, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Zechariah. He is mentioned in 19 New Testament books and is referred to by every New Testament writer he is referred to by Jesus during the ministry of Jesus Christ on earth 15 times. Let me give you a few of these references so you'll understand 
a biblical perspective of Lucifer. Matthew chapter number four, Jesus is not arguing with some principle of evil in the desert. He is uh, arguing with the tempter. He is arguing with Lucifer by the name of, of Satan, which is, and just think of it, another uh, title. Uh, then saith Jesus unto him, Matthew 4 and 10, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall thou serve. Do you see the association? Where did Lucifer miss it? He served something besides his creator. He served himself. Uh, in Matthew 16, Jesus realizes that Satan is influencing uh, Simon Peter. And he says to Simon, uh, let's see, let me find my right spot here. Uh, he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense to me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of, of men. Peter, by desiring the things of men, serving self, is manifesting the very work of Satan, serving self. Number three, Luke chapter number 22, Jesus again speaks to Simon. The Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. In Luke chapter number 10, Jesus says that he, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. That's 10 and 18. In Matthew 25, Jesus speaks of the final abode of Satan and his followers. Now remember, beings are not ended, they are constrained. This is the final abode. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Number six, John, in John chapter number eight, uh, Jesus accuses a group of Pharisees of being from their father, the devil. Uh, it's difficult to see that a certain type of religious people are after their father, the devil. Uh, that's difficult for us because um, it's just not what we think. We, we look at the obvious sinners and they're, for, they're, they're manifesting the devil, but it's hard for us to see the devil in religious people. Jesus says to them, ye are of your father the devil and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it, John 8 and 44. And lastly, John chapter number six, Jesus reveals that one of his disciples, one of the 12, and this is early in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, is being influenced by Satan. Later on, that person we know as Judas uh, would become possessed by Satan. Jesus answered them, this is John 6, verse number 70. Have not I chosen you 12 and one of you is a devil? Uh, be careful kicking people out of the church. It might be that they belong there. <laughs> okay, moving on. Um, so you cannot claim a biblical view of the devil and then not believe, him, believe in him as a created being. That's, I don't think, um, a fair representation of scripture. You need to, I, I would say, as a person of faith, you need to accept that. But more importantly than Lucifer as a being and real, you need to see and be wise to what he and his way represents. He and his choices represent. So, yes, literal. Yes, real. But more importantly, he represents something. Uh, 
we also are beings. We also choose a path. We also choose a spiritual future. God made us one way, but the work did not stop with God. And every day we make of ourselves who we will become. And I want you to see this in the Garden of Eden. Uh, the serpent does not have power over Eve and only has influence. Um, it has a type of seductive influence and Eve must decide. The serpent does not have power over Eve. Eve must decide. And so uh, the serpent says to the woman, this is Genesis chapter number three, verse number four, you will not surely die arguing with the command of the Lord. Verse number five, for God knows that when you eat of it, this fruit, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Satan's not saying, hey, let's all join a cool club and put a, a title on it and then do what we want to do. That's not the temptation. The temptation is not to serve Satan. The temptation is to serve yourself. Do you see? You will be like God. The, it's as though God's trying to keep you down. He just doesn't want you, you know, to be in the cool kids club. <laughs> you, should, you should do what is best for you. This is the way of Satan. And understanding this is just as important as believing in a literal being. In fact, for the purposes of spiritual maturity and your daily Christianity, it's more important. It's more important for you to see that the temptation that the enemy has in your life is not power over you. It's luring you to his way, which is choosing self over God, choosing my way over God's way, my wants over God's wants, my mission over God's mission. It is to redefine God to serve me, reassure me, make me feel good, make me feel safe. And the call of the cross is the exact opposite. And the manifest life of Jesus Christ is the exact opposite, not the self that we serve. The person who will serve themselves, they're, they're, they're coming last in this kingdom. It's the person who serves others. If you wanna see a way to Christ, don't look for the way that Lucifer deceived Eve, serve yourself. Look for the way Jesus manifest his life. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You see, it's not so much in terms of spiritual maturity and understanding mission and calling. It's not so much about the devil. It's not even the devil, the temptation or the power of the devil. You can resist the devil and he'll flee. It's about the self. If you tried resisting yourself, it'll nearly kill you. That's the battle. Lucifer is not some being that contests with God and God's barely winning. Do you see? We're not dualists that believe that, you know, Jesus and Lucifer are brothers in some type of a divine hierarchy and they battle it out and hopefully at the last of the day, you know, the, the great God is going to put his thumb on the scale so the good people win. No. Lucifer is not ever going to win. He has no chance against God, but he represents something. Can created beings, not things, beings, we become, we choose, we live. Can we choose faith when it seems as though our life is difficult even with setback and trouble and drama? Can we, like Job, choose faith? Can we choose a love for God even when our life is, do you see, it's, 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 
It's more than just some type of a literal bad guy with a forked tail and a uh, trident. <laughs> yes, I believe in a literal being. And I think biblically we have to. Uh, but to understand is, to understand it's not because he's super powerful. Compared to us, yes. Compared to God, whatever. No, not even close. So why isn't he just removed? Because the problem is not just him. <laughs> it's his way. Can we humble ourselves and choose God? Can we go through d tough times? I know it's easy to love God if we never get rained on, but can you get rained on and still love God? I know it's easy to love God if everything you touch turns to gold, but can you struggle with setback and still love God? You are a being. You will never end. You are becoming. You are living your life as the very manifestation of the kingdom of God. And we have to understand it's not really about Satan. It's about the self. And we have to see Satan as a way of being, a way of living where the self is what is served, the self is what is exalted, and Christ as the opposite path shown to us by Almighty God manifest in the flesh. Not that, not this self-exaltation, not this self-service. Can you serve others? Can you pick up a cross of redemptive purpose and give your life for a broken world? to make it whole? Can you live your life for others? Can you make space in your life for others? Can you invite people over your home as a way of loving God? Can you encourage a weak brother or sister even when you feel like you're the one who needs encouragement? Can you forgive someone who uh, offended you? Can you? Can you offend someone who made a bad decision and hurt you? Or is the self in you so strong that it can never be humbled? The preacher's wrong, the church is wrong, all the saints are wrong, scripture's wrong, but you, you're never wrong. Can you do that? That's the path of Satan. He has no chance of winning in heaven, but he can show you the way to serve yourself. On the other hand, there's Jesus Christ. He is God's attempt to show you a better way, a different way, but his way is about others. A grain of wheat must fall to the ground and die or it abides alone. All right, that's enough. I love you. I can go on and on on this. I, I wrote a book about this. <laughs> we must follow the example of the servant, the example of the sacrifice, the example of Jesus Christ. Lord, be with your people. Give us your wisdom, your guidance. Save us from the worship of self and put within us a passion to fulfill the calling and the purposes of God in our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We love you, God bless you. See you soon. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.